Hello and welcome everybody to another episode of the world's greatest podcast. That's the way the cookie crumbles. Hello and Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas indeed. Thank you for that, Jim. I just thought uh, it, it is Christmas week. It is. It is Christmas week. And um, we it doesn't feel very Christmassy at the minute, does it, with the, the World Cup going on? No, that doesn't tend to happen around these this time of year, but um, I'd say it was a welcome bonus, all the drama, which we will promptly get into, wouldn't you? Yeah, definitely. Stan is still in Qatar at the minute. <laughs> he, um, he is still there with the Saudi Arabian national team. I don't know what he's doing or what they're talking about. but I've seen a picture of him in Salt Bay, knocking around oh. in Qatar. I'm not sure how they got invited, but weird. Hmm. Well, Jim, it's not what you know, it's who you know. <laughs> and who you blow. And who you blow. But, <laughs> speaking about people blowing people, Lionel Messi, Jim, he won the World Cup. Yes, He's you did. He's probably officially the GOAT now, it's safe to say. I think he was already too many, but yeah, I think this was one of them. If you do want to get into the, the, the GOAT debate, that you say, oh, Messi hasn't won the World Cup, whereas Maradona did. And, um, yeah, he finally got what he deserves, I would say, yesterday. Um, he was brilliant all tournament. I thought, this uh, this is the best I've seen him in a World Cup. I know he got the golden ball in um, 2014, but I think even at 35 this year, he's been significantly better. Yeah, definitely. And the fact that he hadn't scored a goal in a knockout round prior to this tournament, and now he's scored a goal in every knockout round, including the final. So that's just testament to him, like we said, at 35. But um, speaking just a little bit about Leo's legacy before we get into the, the breakdown of the game, do you think he almost has to retire now from international football to preserve that Argentinian legacy? Or do you think he's maybe thinking, oh, maybe we, we'll just rock it till the, the wheels come off kind of thing? Yeah, I think he's already announced that he's been retired. I know he's a bit like the Undertaker anyway, the Argentinian team. I think he's retired about four times, that fella. But... Yeah, I think you've got to leave it at that, aren't you? I know he's already announced it, like I said, I think he has anyway. But yeah, they've won the Copa America and the World Cup in the last two or three years. I can't remember the Copa America win exactly was. But yeah, the the, the, the perfect ending to um, a career that you can't really describe in words. It's, it's that good, isn't it? It's, he's, he's won absolutely everything. And even at 35, I know he just mentioned his age a lot, but... He's still absolutely running the show. And um, the, even without the goals, his impact on the games in itself is just just massive. No, it is. And obviously, a lot of the players, they were saying that we're, we're not only playing for ourselves, our families, but we're playing for him because we feel like a lot of people have let him down in the past or whatever at major tournaments. And they feel like his brilliance does need capping off with this major trophy to settle the debate. But like you said, a lot of people considered him there greatest of all time anyway but it's a little bit subjective but credit to him he's he's won the big one now and I think that he does have to bow out of international football with that because that's what the greats do they leave on top they don't get retired by the game so to speak well the international game he could have gone and and did go like you said after was it 2014 he retired maybe after that last yeah I, I think he retired when you lost did he lose a penalty shootout Copa America final to like Chile, possibly or semi final. I'm sure he retired after that as well. Um, because obviously his relationship with the Argentina fans has never been, it's never been really like amazing as what you'd expect for a player of such brilliance. Um, 
the a lot of them claim that he loves Barcelona more than he loves his own country. But I think I think you're seeing an attitude in Messi and in the old team this year that they would have just died for the country this year. Um, I've never seen Messi like you know give it a bit. You know, like he he, he was putting himself about in challenges and stuff. He was um, giving it egg to David some after the quarter final. Have you seen the little clip of like when Mbappe scored and he like pumps his fist when he's walking back and then when Messi scores an extra time, it was the same for Mbappe. Just little things like that. I mean, he just seems a bit like he's got he's got like a controlled anger about him, which is I think is good in a football player if you can control it, which he has done. Yeah, it is, and it just shows that a lot of people saying it's Messi's villain arc um, at the minute. It started with uh Valverde. Well, it started probably at Saudi Arabia and then, and then went to Val Vegas. Yeah. And he basically said to him, what, what are you looking at, fool? Like, called him a donkey. And then that was probably the, the first bit of Messi's villain arc, capped off by the little fist bump to, to Kylian Mbappe. And and you could almost say that he, he was officially crowned a prince at the end of it when they put that stupid fucking black cloak thing on him, made him look like a dementor. Did I? Look, 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 that was Messi. That was the shake straight onto me. So like he's saying, don't bad mouth it. Jesus Christ. They move fast, your boys, Jim. I, I thought it looked like a little answer, but it's number me. Got me thinking a little bit. <laughs> but no, thinking about Messi's attitude, though, it's something that you've never really seen from, is it? I and mean, he usually just quietly gets up on his business. He does a lot of his talking on the pitch because he's that fucking good. He lets others around him get so angry, but I think that attitude that he has, and I think what you said earlier about the Argentina team almost wanting to win for Messi more than themselves. I know I've seen have you seen the quote from Paredes. Um he said I'd be happier for Messi um if we win the World Cup than I will be for myself. And then there's pictures of him when they win the World Cup instead of like celebrating on his own or running to the cube or anything as soon as that winning penalty goes in by Montiel he just turns to Messi and just like grabs him. I mean you you seen it and now they play he was he wasn't letting any. He wasn't shirking any challenge, was there? And it got him into trouble sometimes in the final, giving away two penalties. But I think it was that willingness to win and that hunger which just got him over the line this year. Yeah, no, that's 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 definitely true. And the the thing is with with the the Argies now, they need to realize what's going to happen potentially without him. Obviously, as we think that he's probably going to bar of international football. We've said, like, Paredes, for example, saying, oh, I'm winning it for Messi, and they've put a lot of stock into him, but what do they do when he goes? And you've obviously seen Barca fall off a cliff when he left, and do you think that the same will happen to the world champions? Because previous world champs in the past have fell off a cliff. Just look at Germany in the past and Spain prior to that. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not an amazing squad, is it? And it's not the youngest squad either. Um, in it. Yeah, I, yeah, I just think you... I think the manager did very, very well as well. I think that he adapted a lot after the Saudi Arabia loss and throughout the tournament, he changed his system up. He, he matched Van Gaal's free back and that worked well. Um, he played a blinder, putting Di Maria on the left against France. I know he took him off after an hour, which was maybe a mistake looking back, but you look at the actual talent of the squad, I mean, Otamendi is still starting for him. Um, Di Maria is now retired of course as well as well as Messi he was brilliant um, yesterday I think they'll be still a good team obviously but Messi was a lot of the reason why people pre-tournament I think both me and you had him to win yeah 
they Messi was the reason really, wasn't it? I mean, if you didn't have Messi in that squad, I don't think you'd be looking at that team and thinking this is a um, a potential World Cup winning team, would you? No. So, yeah, there is going to be a bit of a drop off. I mean, that's as expected when you lose a player like Messi. Yeah, and and we'll get into the game a little bit now, but and we'll start with Angel Di Maria, he's a player who I've liked for ages, and I loved him when he was at Real Madrid, and when he went to United, I thought he's going to make them a, a mental good team. And obviously that didn't work out. He goes to Paris and carves a good career for him out there in Liga. And he's a he's a proper big game player, Di Maria. I, I, I don't know if you remember the Champions League final, but you know the Bale one where um, they beat Atletico. He, he plays centre midfield in that game. He's, he's unbelievable. And he gets man of the match in that game. He scores in this game. He scored in the Copa America final. And I think the final before that, he scored in the Olympics final for Argentina. So... So he's been pretty clutch for Argentina in the past and he's been clutch for a lot of the big teams that he plays for and he's playing out in Juventus in the minute and he went there for free. Just think that was good business by them because he could definitely do a job for a lot of teams, to be honest with you. Yeah, definitely. I think he was the first, I think he was the first ever player to score in a Copa America and a World Cup final, um, they were saying. And yeah, he, he kind of fell out of the team this tournament. Um, he started off on the right and he made some changes, which was bringing players like Alvarez in and Enzo Fernandez and McAllister, who all three had brilliant tournaments. But then for the final, uh, the manager realises that he's got a big game player there and he can use him. And he put him on a side of the pitch where Jules Kunde isn't exactly the quickest or most um, natural, should we say, of fullbacks. I think he's more of a centre half, um, the way he's built and the way he plays. And Di Maria completely make the first goal by just selling Dembele on the, on the wing and then he scores the second, which was a brilliant goal. So he had his impact and I think before he got taken off, he was probably the best player on the pitch, um, you could say. It was just a complete mismatch over there and I think he's 36 now. So yeah, yeah amazing to be doing that at that age. Yeah, so like you said, Di Maria, 36 at the minute, still putting a shift in, but a lot of people were thinking maybe Scaloni took him off a bit prematurely. I think it was like the 65th minute maybe where he where he came off and obviously I, th- I think Akuna came on in them batch of subs and they shut up shop. So I think they were a little bit lucky in that. But Jim, we'll get into the game now and uh, we'll have a, a moment of silence for Kylian Mbappe who is, uh, he's got an unwanted uh, bit of history. He's the first player to score a hat-trick in a World Cup final and lose, which is an absolutely crazy start. Yeah, I mean, for much of the game, he was quiet, wasn't he? Um, France were quiet in a hole. I think they didn't have a shot on target until the uh, the penalty goal. But he's one of them players that I don't... I don't love the arrogance. I don't really like arrogant players. Um, but when he does stuff like that on the biggest of stages, you can you have to kind of like step back and just applaud it and think, yeah, fucking hell, he's got some balls in him and he knows he's good, doesn't he? Um, and if he can back it up in situations like that, then absolutely fair play, which which he did. I mean, they caused problems with the, the, the subs that Deschamps actually made on 40 minutes at the time. You kind of look at, I, I, I looked at him and I thought, his head's gone. Um, they get they're not just two 0 down, but they're getting battered. I mean, Argentina could be three or four and up here. They're not doing anything, and he brings off um, Giroud, who is his second top goal scorer, and Dembele, who had just a, a horror first half. And he brings on Colo Moani and 
can't remember. Was it Kingsley Coleman who came on in the first half? I know he came on eventually, but yeah, I can't, I can't exactly remember. But anyway, they end up making the goals, and and Barpe is the one who finishes them off. And they're confident that two one down with like fifteen minutes left, just hit That's that true. second one on the volley. With Taram, it was Taram. Yeah, Coleman must come on in the second half. But yeah, that yeah, that be. volley was just unreal. Yeah, superb one. The audacity to take it on first time. Yeah, and and like you said. That's why he gets paid the big bucks. That's why he is probably, I'd say, with Haaland not playing in the World Cup because I think the people are a little bit fickle with with obviously Haaland and, and Mbappe, but they're as good as each other and they're going to be the new Messi's and, and Ronaldo. It'll be him versus him. And I think Mbappe, again, has gone up a level without France, winning the big one, so to speak, and he can go anywhere he wants in world football, can't he? Yeah, definitely. And it was a bit of a passing of the torch, wasn't it, yesterday? Um, especially when they did the awards afterwards and Mbappe was up there with Messi and Enzo and Martinez uh, getting the individual awards for this World Cup. But yeah, they're obviously not going to be anything like Messi and Ronaldo, we don't, I don't think. But if, if Mbappe would have won that, the things that he would have won at 23 is a bit unparalleled in fairness to him. Um and yeah, if if not for in France, that that wouldn't have been much of a final. But but thanks to Mbappe, that could have been. Um, well, I think it was probably the best final that I've ever seen, and a lot of people are saying it's the best football match they've ever seen. I don't know what you think about that. Yeah, possibly, definitely the best World Cup final I've ever seen. And just when you think it it was done, like you just when you think Messi's oh he's done, it's written, it's in the stars. Obviously, Mbappe gets that that hat trick, and then you're thinking, "Oh my god, football's so cruel," and it's just, just honestly, it was an absolute pantomime of a game because just when you thought you knew what was going to happen, like I said, Argentina two 0 up, sailing, bring on Acuna to go solid back five, then Mbappe scores two goals in ninety seconds, and it, and it's two all. And I just want to ask you. Do you think maybe Lloris could have done better in the shootout? Because I personally thought he could have saved a few. He could have saved all four. <laughs> maybe not. Nice. Maybe the Montiel one was was good, but that the winning one. Yeah. Um, the Messi one wasn't good. No. Apparently, <laughs> wasn't good. But I mean, Lee Dix. I, I, I was watching on ITV. I don't know if he was watching on BBC or ITV, but BBC. I was listening to McCoy. I know he was. I had to deal with Lee Dixon, who, who said that um, he sends the keeper the wrong way. But I don't think Larissa had moved. And then he just kind of rolled it in. It wasn't even in the corner. And then the Dybala one was even worse. I think if you just leave a leg in the middle, you save it. Yeah. But yeah, I don't think you can get too... What's the word? Too too critical of the keeper during a penalty shootout. But it was, not, it was, it was on a different level than... Um, Emmy Martinez. It was one playing mind games, but two, just like a menace when he had to save it. And even pre penalty shootout, that save on Colin Moane at the end was just was unbelievable. And I mean, that was the World Cup right there. Have you seen the still of it? Where he's literally like full stretch, like seaman, like spread eagle, and he just gets his left boot to it. It's a great save. No, it's a great save, and Colin Moane is. A player that's really not been on a lot of people's radar, that is definitely on people's radar now. He's definitely on Eintracht Frankfurt's radar when they signed him in the summer from from Nantes as a free agent. That 
I saw earlier, and I think he's a player who'll get a move off the back of this. And unfortunately, he's had to disable his Instagram comments because of uh, racial abuse because of him missing a chance, which wasn't, I wouldn't say it was a particularly easy chance. I think the only way you can probably score is through the five hole and go through his legs. But you've got about half a second to think about it in a World Cup final, and he's like 23, 24. Like, give him a break. Yeah. That, yeah, it's just really close. I think, I think it's one that maybe like Mbappe scores, but. I think most people look at that and just thinking that's just a brilliant, brilliant save. Uh, and that's what it was. Um, but yeah, was there anyone other than Mbappe and Messi who were the obvious stars? And it, it never really seems like... I've never really seen a, a situation where we've got two stars that are so much... That are just so big, basically. It just felt like a Messi versus Mbappe this whole game. And both of them like came to play. But aside from them too. Who else on the pitch stood out for you? I, th- I thought... I thought France. I thought Teo Hernandez was awful. Like you say, he stood out. He stood out like a sore thumb. He was dog shit in this game. And I think when Camavinga came on, I think maybe in the 75th minute or so to play left-back, he was well better at left-back, obviously being a centre midfielder, than Hernandez was all game. He, he did much a much better job on the people playing out there. I thought Argentina, Rodrigo de Paul, I'm not the biggest fan of him as a footballer, but he's was the water carrier in this game and he has been this whole tournament just doing everyone's running to free up the more techie players like Fernandez and Di Maria and Messi and Alvarez. And on the subject of Alvarez, I'd love to see him get some more game time at City on, and Pep might have to start playing him out wide with Haaland and someone decent at City who's been playing a lot over the years, someone like Amarez or even like someone who Grealish who's been bought for a hundred million is probably looking at that thinking for fuck's sake, like Sterling's gone. I thought I was gonna get more minutes. This kid comes in as a striker. He can't get in as a striker because obviously Haaland's a monster and he's that flexible. He can play out wide and people like Mares, Grealish, uh not folding because he's too good, but definitely Mares and Grealish are gonna suffer as a result of that. I don't know what you think, obviously being a city boy. Yeah, I mean I think he's just. I think this World Cup has just shown what a brilliant piece of business Alvarez was. I mean, City. We, we we've seen him in a few games, and um, City have played four four two a few times before the tournament. And Alvarez just looks every bit of a, a great player, and he looks like an instinctive finisher, an hard worker, a classic South American striker. He runs like Tevez. He, he gets it like Aguero, just pretty much just power, and he's not afraid to just whack it straight at the keeper. And sometimes that goes in. But yeah, he just looks like brilliant business. I mean, fifteen million for him. I think less than seventy for him and Haaland. And you sell Jesus and Sterling in the same summer for like more than that. It's just it's almost unfair how good that business was looking back. Um, but yeah, more players that that stood out to me, and a player that I don't see staying at his current club for that much longer is Enzo Fernandez. He won the young player tournament. He was brilliant again, money and. He's been brilliant ever since they put him into the team. Him and McAllister, who it's funny when people watch him and think he plays for Brighton, but he's, he's just class, isn't he? I mean, that just shows how good the players of Premier League are. <laughs> when you've got players like Alex McAllister, who you kind of like, t- I don't know if you take for granted, but you kind of just think, oh, he's just a good Premier League player. But on the World Cup stage, he was amazing. Um, yeah, he was. He's, he's, he's passed for that second goal as well. So Di Maria was, was perfect. I mean, he controls the game. Brilliantly, he he asks the ball all the time, even in the big moments. Um, 
yeah, great player, I and mean, he's only twenty three himself. Yeah, it'll be no short of suitors, definitely. I think that obviously Graham Potter's took him to a level at Brighton and then obviously making the step to the national team for him has made him a monster of a player and for him to step up in this tournament and play as that third man in midfield or the two-man midfield with Rigo DePaul when they play a 4-4-2 and he's stepped up massively. I think that someone who was probably valued at about 25 to 30 million quid now is probably valued at about 60, 70 million quid just off the back of that. And obviously he's won the World Cup, so you've got that World Cup tax in there as well. But I really wouldn't be surprised, for example, obviously Graham Potter manages Chelsea at the minute. Even prior to the World Cup, all I saw was Caicedo, McAllister. They're the two names I kept seeing. I kept seeing them too. And if he came to us, honestly... I would love it because he's everything that our team needs at the minute and he's everything that that RG team needed. Legs, technical ability on the ball, can beat a man, isn't slow and isn't a dosser in the final third. He knows when to make the right pass. And Do you think he'll be at Brighton for much longer? I think he, the way Brighton operate, this is the perfect opportunity to sell him quite high. So, no. I mean, if they can get like 50 plus million from McAllister, I think they take it. Um, and it's you trust Brian to sign a, a a brilliant replacement that they sell in future years. So, yeah, the way they operate, I can't see a player who's won the World Cup staying at Brian that much longer, especially one that's only 23. I think he's 23, 23, 24. He's quite young anyway. But, yeah, um, a great player. Obviously, Emmy Martinez was really good. Afora Murdo had a really good game as well. I know they didn't have to do too much until France just got that second win, thanks to Mbappe, but... He didn't really put a foot wrong for me, uh, Romero at the back. Um, and that aggression sometimes, I think him and Osmond, they play very similar um, styles of football. Both, like, they'll meet you, won't they? They'll, like, they won't let you, like, they're not going to drop off and just wait for you to make a mistake. They're just going to wait you straight straight there. Um, didn't work out for Osmond, <laughs> but he worked out for Romero. Right, listeners, welcome back. It is the bet of the week. We know we've been teasing you with a couple of World Cup bets. We hope you got on mine and Jim's Argentina to win the tournament bet because if you did listen to us, you would have won some money. So congratulations if you did back our Degeneration Bets tips. But the Prem is back. We are back with the bet of the week. And get your betting apps to the ready because we've got a returning winner. So... Three o'clock, we're not doing any early kickoffs. We don't fancy a rebet on the return to the Prem. We've got Crystal Palace versus Fulham. I've gone for both teams to score in that one. Then we're going to go straight to the King Power, down to Leicester. Newcastle versus Leicester, we've gone to go for a away win for the Toon Army in that one. Then we're going to go down to the half-five kickoff, Aston Villa versus Liverpool. I'm going to go Liverpool to win that one away at Villa. Unai Emery to take an L there. And then last but not least, Arsenal without Gabby Jesus for quite a while now are playing West Ham at home and then I'm going to go Arsenal just to win that one. So recapping the bet of the week for Boxing Day, we've gone Crystal Palace versus Fulham, both teams to score, Newcastle to win away at Leicester, we've gone Liverpool to win away, Aston Villa and Arsenal to beat West Ham at home. And Jim, what can the listeners do with that information? They can shiver up the big fat hackers. (laughs) 
Welcome back, Cookie Podcast listeners. And uh, we're not just quite done with the World Cup and international football talk just yet, Cookie. Um, England boss Gareth Southgate has, well, I don't know if he's announced or the FA has announced that he will stay on for Euro 2024. Obviously, Cook, a lot of questions were asked and me and you spoke about it, um, I think, last week about will Southgate stay or go um, after this World Cup. And he has stayed on. He's obviously seen that he's made enough progress. And, yeah, what are your just initial thoughts on him staying, I guess? Uh, I'm disappointed, I'll be honest. Uh, when I saw it, I was a bit like, oh, that's such an, an England thing to do. Um, I, I, didn't, I didn't like it. I didn't like the fact that we offered him a contract before the outcome of this tournament because, for example, let's say we go out in the groups of this tournament and he's still got that two-year deal, then would would he walk or would he say, oh, no, I've got a two-year deal, so I'm going to take us to the Euros. So I think him taking that deal was maybe a little bit selfish from, from him looking back with hindsight. I think that the FA, like I said, I'm not happy that they did that. I think it should be rewarded on merit, not what you're going to do. I just think that that keeps it cleaner and it keeps everyone knowing where they are because the onus really, if, if the FA had sacked Southgate, like we said the other day, they would have looked terrible and it would have been back to the dark ages for the FA in terms of the media and stuff like that. So the only really way the FA didn't have blood on their hands in this one is if he walks. And I don't think he was ever going to do that with two years guaranteed in the bank. But I, I, I thought, like I said last week in our podcast, Jim, I thought that he, he's young enough to maybe walk away, sit on the side, maybe wait for a Prem job, have a go at that and then try again. But We've got two more years of it. I just think four major tournaments is a lot. But what do you think, lad? I'm happy he's staying. Um, I pre-tournament I didn't see a situation where Southgate's days on. And I thought, regardless of what he does and what he achieves in this World Cup, that he would probably leave. But that's just not turned out to be the case. I think England have played better than what I thought they would have done, um, considering the circumstances and considering how the form was going into the tournament. Um, I think he has done a lot of merit. I think the, the stages we've reached in the previous competitions have been really good. Um, I think we've seen enough progress as well. I think this tournament, even though on a results-based performance or whatever you want to call it, it's a step backwards from a semi-final and a final, I don't think England have played as well as they have in their previous World Cup. Um, and the Euros than they have at this World Cup despite only making the quarterfinals I don't know if you agree with that but I think we've seen a better England team a more attacking England team one that gets in the front foot um, and one that could have won it given different situations uh, given if they just got the rub of the green I guess um, I do hope that there is a plan for a successor it doesn't seem like there is one in the minute which is maybe a bit worrying Um I hope maybe they bring him in to the fold now or they start thinking about potential names because, yeah, there needs to be a succession, succession plan, especially for this squad. Um, but I think with, with Southgate, they've got every chance of winning Euros and I think they're going to be one of the favourites. So, yeah, I'm still a bit optimistic about it. So we'll just see how it goes. Yeah, you you mentioned the word optimistic there and... I'm optimistic for the squad because I, th- I think the squad itself is as good as any in the world. And we've just seen Argentina win the World Cup, like we said earlier, with maybe not the best squad. And I think that 
potentially with 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 Reese James, we maybe have a bit more of a go against France, maybe, and 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 I think that maybe, obviously, with the pedigree of players that we have, that's good enough to get us to a certain level. But I think the word I would use is probably opportunistic. I wish the FA was maybe a bit opportunistic and maybe went for a potch or a two call if they were actually serious about it. And, and maybe they're not, maybe they were just doing it to keep the name in the, in the media. Maybe that's, that's definitely a possibility, but I'd like, I'd like to, <laughs> I think the way we've gone, obviously no one's won it since 66 and Southgate's done the best since any of those managers since then. But I just think that we should have maybe took a different approach. Maybe, gone against the grain of what we would usually do and, and maybe try something else than then maybe stick with this for two more years because I'm I'm falling on the, the narrative that I do believe he's young enough to maybe have another go down the line again and he's definitely got enough credibility in the bank to come back and have a go. So I just would have liked to have seen us go down a different route, I think. Yeah, it's it's what it's one of them in it. I mean, you mentioned Poch and Tuchel that we don't know do they if they are serious like would yeah. would would they want to manage England? Would would they want to commit themselves to England now? Um, given Euro twenty twenty four is two years away or eighteen months away. Yeah, yeah. Because realistically, they're still two of the top names in European club football, and that's what every manager wants, surely. Um, so I don't know. I'm I'm kind of thinking that maybe they they would want club football more than international football. I guess we'll just have to, have to see what comes out. I mean, hopefully we'll mm-hmm. we'll hear from them at some point over the next few months about that. Because somebody will ask them if they are ever doing media or whatever, um, and then you look at the current England, like the crop of like England managers who could step up into this international management. Um, Graham Potter's just gone to Chelsea. He's not going to be going anytime soon. Is I mean, he's a he's a manager. I'm sure we'd all love at England, but I think if he went from Brighton to England, it would have been more of a more realistic kind of thing, but him just going to Chelsea, he just kind of got his big break into like European management. This is his first Champions League, stuff like that. I don't see him going before 2024. Eddie Howe is one name that I would say is probably the next England manager um in my book. I think the times I think the timelines kind of cross perfectly pre Southgate saying he's gonna stay that is. And Pre kind of Eddie Howe being this good, I didn't expect Newcastle to be this good um, in the first half of this season. But Eddie Howe has kind of proved a lot of people wrong. That kind of makes me want him to be England manager more. Yeah. But at this time, the way Newcastle are rolling, does Eddie Howe want to leave right now? Yeah, that's what I mean. Why would he? Why would he leave a blank checkbook every transfer window, where he's yeah. basically playing football manager with with a, exactly a state back club who are never gonna the the gravy train's never gonna run dry. So what what other than Obviously, personal national pride would would get him away from that because let's say in two years, eighteen months, Newcastle are in the Champions League. Why would Eddie Howe leave that? I th- yeah, if he feels like Eddie Howe's in a situation now where he's kind of thinking, "I'm just going to stay in here. I'm going to do as well as possible and stay as long as possible because he can manage Champions League football next year, like realistically." Yeah, and that's something that he probably didn't think he would do when he should be managing Bournemouth. So yeah, fair play to him, definitely, but. And maybe the way the FA operate, they just kind of want a plan going forward now. They want someone to be in post now. They don't want that purgatory of like who's going to be manager, which is, again, fair enough. So I don't know if anyone was available. Um, 
I guess we'll kind of just see over the next few years. I think. I guess we'll never know. Okay, I guess we'll never know. <laughs> I think the Euros is got is going to be Southgate's final shot at it. Yeah. It, do you know what I mean? Because his contract would almost run out. And like you say, four tournaments is a lot. I, I'm I'm happy enough with him staying on for this tournament. And I think he deserves that final shot. And I think if if he wants to personally go for it, um, and if he, he's seen enough progression this tournament, thinking, yeah, he can win the Euros, he, he can do it, then fair enough to him and good luck to him. And I hope he does win it. I really do. Because I love him as a manager and I think he's brilliant. Um, but yeah, I just I get I guess I guess we'll see. I guess we'll see over the next few years. I think what will be interesting, Cook, is in eighteen months, will he still be picking some of his favourites? Well, we'll probably get into that in future podcasts. But these will be almost two years older than they are now, and they're already on a downward downward spiral in the career. Some of these you, you're thinking of like you're thinking of your Maguire's, aren't you? Um, Henderson, maybe. Yeah, Henderson, Pickford. Even players like Raheem Sterling. I mean, will yeah. he be in two years? Yeah. I mean, some of these won't, but we'll be, we'll be past the prime then. But promising enough, a lot of these players that are coming up now, your Bellinghams, Foden, Sackers, James, Trent, Tamoris, all of them are kind of coming. Not even, not even coming into the prime they that young. So yeah. there's a lot to look forward to. No, there definitely, there definitely is a lot to look forward to. And just last thing before we wrap up the pod is, do you think if we win Euros 2024, does he leave? I think he leave. But then again, I thought he'd leave either way this tournament. And what you said before about Messi finally bowing out. I know he's not going to Messi-like legacy just yet, okay, but <laughs> <laughs> I think that would be the perfect time to leave. <laughs> 